I'm Rod Sperry of Lion's Roar, and welcome to episode four of After the Laundry, The Misery. Today, Joe Rayola, Mad Magazine's senior editor emeritus, and I are talking about the elephants in the room, guns, Trump, and, you know, a pervading sense of despair. But don't despair too much. While this episode might seem to start off bleak, thanks to Joe, there's plenty of laughter soon enough. And how can we forget the majesty of the royal wedding? Hey, my friend. Hello, Rod. How are you? I'm okay. I have been better. (laughs) (laughs) You can probably hear the phlegm in my throat. And our dog is definitely dying. I'm a little Ah. worn out. Cheery way to start talking to you, I know. Yeah, phlegm and a a dying dog will make one take stock of one's life. That's true. How are you? Well, you know, I'm okay, I think. I've got aches and pains. You ever hear of Brother Theodore? Uh, I totally have. I can't place it, though. Brother Theodore, he was a, a performance artist here in right. uh, in New York City. Right, okay, for yes. many years, and he uh, he did a show at the 13th Street Playhouse where I performed many years ago. And I was doing um, a 9.30 show when Brother Theodore was doing an 8 o'clock show. And hmm. I used to get there early, and I used to catch at least the opening of Brother Theodore's show. And he opened... Every show the same way with the following joke. Okay. Jesus is dead. Buddha is dead. Mohammed is dead. And I'm not feeling so well myself. (laughs) And that was his take my wife, please. (laughs) He, He did it all the time. And it was always funny. Was he kind of like Lord Buckley, sort of? He had elements of uh, Lord Buckley in him. He did a stream of consciousness. Uh, He called what he did stand-up tragedy. (laughs) That's good. And I went on after him to a much smaller audience, I might add. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... Yeah, (laughs) I was doing doing an ill-conceived show at the time, and this is true. Uh, probably my biggest failure as a solo performer uh, from the time I started to get any good. And it was a show called Who Put Shirley MacLaine in My Salad? A terrible title for a not not very good show. <laughs> That's my uh, brother Theodore experience. Anyway, I'm I'm okay. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit shell shocked and angry and trying to find some sense of balance like everybody else you know this is a, a tough time to feel good if you're paying attention to to the news that's very true it feels like you're up against the ropes you're getting rope-a-doped by this barrage of bad news and can you imagine being queer or a person of color or so many other things in this climate that feels so, ugh. anyway, boy, boy, we are we are a lot of fun, huh? Well, you have the uh, advantage of being in Canada. You're a Canadian. I'm not a Canadian, but I sure hope to be. I'm in Canada. I'm here at a permanent residence, and I'm very, very thankful for that. I, and I love it here. Um, but I am an American, and I, I'm an American citizen. 
it, 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 you know, if you're in Canada, yeah, you feel safe. But the reality is, is if they can't kill net neutrality, Canadian businesses are going to suffer. Um, if they close the borders, um, other nations are going to suffer. The whole thing is just a nightmare. It's still a great time to be a Canadian, I think. <laughs> a wonderful time to be. Certainly a great time to not be an American. There's no yes. question about that. Um, yeah, I like to pretend. Yeah, well, it's easier to do in Nova Scotia where you are than in New York State where, where I am here. Where Not only are we confronted with it here uh, in New York State and New York City, of course, in a big way, which is certainly the media capital of the world, at least in the Western world, I think. Uh, but we're also, we have to deal with knowing that Trump came from our city, even though he's despised here, and that, that Trump is a New Yorker. We've got to deal with that. That's it's true, but It's true, but he has always been despised as a New Yorker. And they hate him now. They hated him in the 80s. Boy, if I were Graydon Carter, I would relaunch yeah. Spy Magazine today. I mean, just go at them full throttle. Well, it's not like there aren't magazines out there doing that. Vanity Fair is doing that in a, in a big way, and they're not the only ones. Um, starting a magazine isn't the best business, the best business model here. But and it isn't <laughs> oh, yeah, like there isn't I anyone, forgot. It, it isn't like there isn't, isn't anyone going after Trump. I mean, I can tell you that we did while I was at MAD, and I was at MAD during the presidential election of 2016 and the and the run up to that, we did everything possible, everything we could do to defeat Trump. The, of course, the entire comedy world did, and it was a bitter defeat. You you guys get full credit for being very very relentless. Yeah, oh yeah, we we all took it personally when he won. I'm sure. Very 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 personally. So much for the power and the influence of satire. So much for the power and influence of comedy. We've gotten very um, d divided in a very peculiar way now that satire itself is not seen by a large part of the country. Largely a case of preaching to the converted. Not many people who are regular viewers of Fox News also watch Bill Maher. I, you know, uh, as a mad follower, I was, of course, aware of how much you were doing and I saw that there was quite a lot of pushback on social media, on the Mad Facebook page, for example. You, you got your, you took your licks for oh, sure. going after Trump, for sure. Oh, sure. We're accused of being tools for liberalism and all that. Of course, that Mad has a long history. It isn't like we just spoofed Trump. We did our fair of Hillary jokes in the run up to the election as well. But that said, the fact of the matter is, spoofed Trump and satirized Trump a lot more. How could you not? He's right. the elephant, elephant in the room, and he still is. So anyone doing political satire now, of course, Trump is going to be the main target of that. Although its influence in terms of changing anyone's vote, I think, is negligible at best. Um, yeah. I don't think I don't think that ever changed anyone's mind. That may be true for older readers, but for younger readers, I know as a mad reader, and I mean, I started reading when I was, I'm going to say seven. And I kind of never gave it up. But actually, I did give it up for a chunk there. As you know, in college, I think uh, I probably bought three issues in all of college because I was like too cool for school or something. But 
it definitely shaped my worldview. So I think that if you're a young person and you're you're encountering all of this sort of this material that really puts Trump in his place and shines a light on his idiocy and his cruelty, I think that the young mad reader gets it. I, I think that there's some truth to that, but more broadly, seven year olds are impressionable are impressionable to to whatever comes their way. So I don't know that mad is special in that sense. If you take your seven year old to gun shows instead of giving them mad, well then the gun shows are gonna be a big influence on them. Seven and eight year olds are impressionable by by what is in their world whether it's comedy, whether it's magazines, whether it's video games, whether it's, you know, where mom and dad takes them, what mom and dad do with them, all impacts the worldview of a seven or eight year old. So yeah, Mad has had an influence in that sense. Comedy has an influence in that sense, or art or music has an influence in that sense in shaping a person's worldview. But I don't think comedy is anything special in terms of that with young people because young people are influenced by what comes their way, period. There's no doubt that you're right, but I think the difference about MAD is that the young MAD reader, and I'm, you know, seven is maybe a little ridiculous here, but let's say 12 to 16. The young MAD reader embraces MAD as an oasis. It's almost like it's a personal discovery. It's yes. the place that they can go to be safe with these sort of, unusual thoughts that fly in the face of everything else that they see. It's wonderful. Well, thanks for that. And hopefully Matt is still playing that role in, in some way, but there's so much media out there now. And obviously the youngsters uh, have many influences uh, far more powerful than typically what a magazine can deliver in the year 2018. We're in a bad way. There is so much out there in terms of information that there is no agreement on what constitutes a fact. And even that's old news now. It's, it's difficult to know, Rod, you know, where to clean up after a shit tsunami. And we are, <laughs> you know, where does the cleanup be, begin? And we are in a shit tsunami every single day. Oh, God. <laughs> every day. It's a, it's a, tornado of shit it's disgusting and true it's good so so you know and, and as soon as you start you know you find a hand shovel and start scraping the muck away from your doorknob there's another volcano of crap and it goes on every single day i saw a headline yesterday on cnn you know you know trump lies 11 times in five tweets you can't even yeah. begin to, you can't even begin your, to weed your way through that level of toxicity. That's what we're dealing with now. We're dealing with toxicity on a on an unprecedented level. This is the golden age of bullshit right now. It really is. When I was a kid, people were concerned about Morton Downey Jr. Remember Morton Downey Jr.? He, <laughs> I do remember. He was he and Dice Clay, et cetera, et cetera. These people were the, the toxicity. They were the golden age of toxicity. The world was going to fall apart. The world was not going to fall apart because if you had a brain in your head, you could see that it was all crap. It was an, all an act for both of those guys. But that was nothing compared to what we're doing now. Oh, no. I mean, oh, no. Let me speak uh, to your uh, very point ab about this. 
Greg Abbott. You know who Greg Abbott is? Greg Abbott? No, I don't think I do. Greg Abbott. Not to be confused with Bud Abbott. Greg Abbott is the governor of Texas. And this is a, a man who has built his entire persona, his entire image as a gun rights advocate, as a tool of the NRA. All right? Isn't yep. the kind of guy... Who, who, who tweets photos of himself at a shooting range in celebration of a law he passed that is making it cheaper to get a license to carry a gun. So he celebrates that with a tweet of himself at a shooting range. This is a guy who has signed laws that uh, make it legal to carry firearms on campuses, and given the events of the past, the very recent past, I should have known who Greg Abbott was for sure. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> He's leading the discussion to, to prevent school shootings in Texas. He's the guy who's in charge of that. Pretending to be in charge of it? Or no, 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 no. He's in charge of it. Is he trying to make a positive change? How could he try to make a positive change? Would Could, could Bill Cosby convene a convention? Invention to stop misogyny? Well, Bill Cosby would if he could. Well, this guy is Bill Cosby in terms of guns, and he can. Damn. Damn. He is doing this. And, and, and the quote this guy put out about it, I want to have this in front of me, so I want to read this right. It's a wonderful, wonderful quote. He says that Texas needs to step up to stop school shootings and that he wants to hear from students teachers, concerned citizens, and, I love this, those who hold the Second Amendment in high esteem. (laughs) Now, what he actually means by those who hold the Second Amendment in high esteem means people who blame mass shootings on everything from video games to, to removing God from the public square to having too many doors in schools. That's actually what Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor of Texas, uh, blamed the shooting on. Too many doors. Uh, Because apparently there was a Pew Research poll which confirmed that all mass shooters, in fact, use doors. So he's for door control. That's true. They do all use doors. I never thought about that before. All all use doors. Don't they all use floors, too? (laughs) <laughs> oh, we need floor control also. Holy Jesus, yeah. you're expanding this theory. So this is the level of bullshit and toxicity that we're dealing with now. Greg Abbott, this tool of the NRA, who has built his entire life around being a, a gun rights freakazoid, radical, now is leading the discussion to keep students in Texas safe. I, I would say it's, it's, it's hard to make fun of, but it's actually not. It's easy to make fun of. The problem is making fun of it doesn't seem to mean anything. And I'm speaking from the, uh, from the point of view of a frustrated satirist in that sense. We'd like to have more power than we do in the comedy world, but alas, we don't. Hmm. I don't want you killing yourself during this <laughs> during the podcast. <laughs> I'll 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 save it for after we hang up. Please. Um, <laughs> Although it gets a lot of listeners. Um, you wrote something about this. I am referring to the the piece, the piece about is the, called uh, "Reflecting uh, on Mass Murder," 
and the most extraordinary hats at the royal wedding. I was wondering if you'd like to read this piece. No, sure. No, I'll read it. I'll, I should uh, set it up. I, uh, I wrote this piece on, I guess it was Sunday morning, the day after the mass shooting at Santa Fe High School, while the royal wedding was taking place. And I was suffering an acute case of cognitive dissonance because all of the headline news was about the royal wedding. It had knocked all reports or any 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 headline reports of the mass shooting off the news cycle. And I just found that very, very strange. And while the wedding was going on, uh, this is the piece I wrote. It's called Reflecting on Mass Murder and the Most Extraordinary Hats at the Royal Wedding. Less than 24 hours after another mass murder at an American high school that left 10 dead, the headline at CNN.com proclaimed, Here Comes the Bride. I can watch videos of the Beckhams, the Cloonies, and even Oprah arriving at the festivities, not to mention a live feed of Meghan Markle herself. Wow! on the way to the chapel. Finally, there is some good news to celebrate, even if it isn't happening here. What America needs is a royal family of its own to serve up some high-quality regal distractions. But alas, we're stuck with more news of mass murder beyond our capacity to synthesize. And when the story disappears from the news cycle, then it's back to nonstop Trump. Two-thirds of Americans have gone numb, are in total denial, not paying attention, still suffering from presidential election PTSD or addicted to opioids. The remaining third have somehow come to the conclusion that the country is, quote, on the right track, unquote. By the way, since I started writing this, the CNN headline has changed to the big moment. It is indeed. Two people most of us either have never heard of until a few days ago or just don't care about are exchanging wedding vows. Also, CNN just posted footage of Meghan walking herself down the aisle. Note to CNN, she's not walking herself. She's just walking. And while I have not seen it yet, I bet that she looks smashing. A much smaller CNN headline reads, Muqtada al-Sadar coalition wins Iraq election. Is that a good thing? Sorry, I'm not up to date on this story. I don't know anything happening in the world that isn't related to Trump, except, of course, that Meghan and what's-his-name will now be known as the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Pretty damn impressive. By the way, in case you don't know or forgot, Muqtada al-Siddhar is an anti-American populist, so no, the victory of his political coalition is not a good thing, though I will admit, if I lived in Iraq, I might be an anti-American populist myself. A lot of us would. Hey, CNN now reports that the happy couple was just married. Yippee! I know that Trump wasn't invited, though I wonder if Robert Mueller was. He's so busy with his investigation, he probably couldn't have made it anyway. In any case, I'm certainly grateful that CNN is not bothering me with cliched obituaries of the murdered students and encouraging me instead to focus my attention on the, quote, newly revealed details of the wedding venue, cake, and reception, unquote. Oh. And here's another really compelling and important headline just breaking now on CNN. The most extraordinary hats at the royal wedding. As I write this, 
the morning following the school shooting at Santa Fe High School, the headline story at the websites for Fox News, MSNBC, NPR, Slate, Google News, Yahoo News, The Huffington Post, and USA Today all joyously shout about the exceedingly exquisite royal wedding. Finally, we have found the solution, not to gun violence, but to those pesky feelings of upset and sorrow that typically follow a mass shooting. I would write more, but I have to stop now to look at footage of the happy couple's first kiss. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for reading that, Joe. Do you, do you have any hope? Um... No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, thanks, everybody. That was Joe Rayola. <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I have some personal hope, but the political outlook is always bleak. I have hope for the world. Nope. Tell me about you know, the personal I, hope. I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to the dinner tonight. I'm hoping forward for a nice meal. I'm hoping to do some things that I enjoy doing and feel good about myself. And, you know, I'm hoping to, to not die a gruesome, miserable, ugly death. You know, I've got some personal hope. <laughs> <laughs> It, You're it, the perfect it, guy to talk to when I'm feeling down. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough to it's tough to have hope, isn't it? it you, I don't know. I, I hate hopeful people, especially inspiring hopeful people. They really piss me off. <laughs> what is it about them that gets your goat? Uh, they're just so hopeful and inspirational. <laughs> you know, you know. I have to tell you something. Can I? I, I can I tell you a Buddhist thing? Sure. I got I got so angry. I was at the uh, Zen Mountain Monastery um, recently, and I was there for a Sunday program when they were doing the ceremony of Jukai. Yes, and that is when the student accepts and declares allegiance to the Buddhist precepts. So you know the precepts are are fine. You know they're I'm not here to critique the precepts, although <laughs> one of them <laughs> is about. One of them is about anger, and it basically says, don't be angry. And as this ceremony was taking place, when they got to that precept, which is actualized harmony, do not be angry, uh, Shugen Roshi, who was overseeing the uh, ceremony, who's a wonderful teacher, he, he took a moment there to, to talk about what, it, what that actually meant. And he, he went to great lengths to say it does not mean that you'll never be angry or do, or, or do not be angry ever. He talked about channeling energy, uh, anger into positive action and, and all of that. Oh, that was fine. And then it came time for the person who was receiving the precepts to declare. And the students said, and I quote, I will not be angry. And it mm. made me so angry. It made me so <laughs> angry that they said that. <laughs> it just it just made me so angry. I, I, I'm sitting there in the Zendo and I'm furious that these students are up there saying, I will not be angry, especially after all the qualifications, you know, that that Shugen Rochi had just given, because I thought you will be angry. That's right. You will be you will be very angry. So do not sit up there and say that you will not be angry. That's right. My favorite rendering of the precepts is by Robert Aitken Roshi, who wrote a beautiful book, one of the greatest books one could ever read, called The Mind of Clover. 
And okay. this precept is translated in his words for it is not indulging in anger. So he's in no yes. way saying you should deny anger. The road to hell is paved with denied anger. Oh, listen, anger is the beginning of wisdom. Really? I'm not suggesting that one live from that place. But if you're not angry, then you're not paying attention. Yep. Hey, you brought it right back around to Trump, I see. Well, you know, it's, I hate to begin a sentence in fairness to Trump because Trump doesn't doesn't deserve any of that. But in fairness to Trump, I'll say it anyway. It's it's not like he invented social injustice. It's not like he in, that he's responsible for the climate that allowed him to be elected. Our problems precede Trump. In that sense, he's symptom more than cause. Although he is now caused as well. And that is what makes him so very dangerous. That is what makes these times so very perilous and so very difficult because the lies never stop. And it's hard to tell the difference anymore for a lot of us between, between truth and lies. You know, there's that old Graham Nash song. I forget the name of it. It's on his wonderful album, Songs for Beginners. And he sings that line, two and two make four, they never make five. And we, as long as we know it, we all can survive. Right. Two and two make four, they never make five. We've forgotten that. Now two and two could make 117. Well, I don't think we have forgotten it. I think that a significant chunk of us has forgotten it. But this is this right. is all the more reason why to vow not to be angry is completely missing the point. You've got to maintain your capacity for anger. Yes, and not indulge in it. That is, of course, the disease of anger, and we see that in our culture everywhere. We we just see this undifferentiated, primitive anger that results in what America has become today, which is the modern country that leads the world in murder. How is it, Joe, that you, as a satirist, and as somebody who spends a lot of time in meditation looking at the, the contents of your mind, and so you're looking at the contents of the, the, the contents of the zeitgeist, as it were, and the contents of your mind, how do you not get overcome by anger? Well, comedy helps. Anger needs to be channeled into positive action, and it can't be undifferentiated anger. Because if you get lost in it, it destroys your ability to be in conversation. And that's also a lost art. Uh, you know, I'm performing in Montana next month mm. at, the Great Fall, at the Great Falls Public Library. It'll be my second time uh, performing in Montana, and I'm really looking forward. What city is that? Being, is that Great Falls? Uh, Great Falls. Okay. And I'm really looking forward to being outside of New York and in a red state to practice talking to people. What a good practice that is to uh, be on stage and, and be able to talk to people, especially about, especially to an audience that may not agree with me on many things. Is, there, is crowd work a, a, an aspect of what you'll be doing? I'll do, I'll do some of that. But I'll, I'll certainly go into a show in Montana with the mindset that there'll be a bunch of people in the audience there who probably won't agree with my take on, on things. And that's great. 
I, that's really exciting. I've always enjoyed performing in, in, in red states. I love performing in Utah. I love performing in Oklahoma. You know, I, I've been walked out on by audiences in California and in Mississippi. And <laughs> I'm proud of that. I'm really proud of that. I like the idea. I like the reality, in fact, that I've, that I've offended liberals and, and conservatives. We think of uh, a lot of liberals like to think of themselves as being uh, uh, above being offended. But I've actually learned otherwise. I've managed to offend liberals. So that's good. It is. It is. <laughs> I, I, I can't good. stand talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got another episode coming soon, but in the meantime, you can always visit joerayola.com for more from Joe, and for more from me, Rod Mead Sperry, and my colleagues at the Leading Buddhist magazine and website, check out lionsroar.com, or check out I Wanna Be Well, How a Punk Found Peace and You Can Too, the new book by Miguel Chen and myself. Thanks for listening to After the Laundry, The Misery.